Well, welcome to another episode of Conversations with Coaches. Today, I have my good friend, Heike. Heike, Hello, how are you doing there. today? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And your last name, Fallon? Fallon, yes. Fallon. Okay. Not related so, to Jimmy Fallon. Not sorry. related to Jimmy Fallon. Okay. So today we have Heike Fallon. She is a certified high-performance coach, a neurosports therapist, and also is a Z Health practitioner. So for our listening audience, can you explain a little bit about what a neurosports therapist and a Z Health practitioner do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, traditional, traditionally, physical therapy had always started at looking at, you know, you have a knee injury, they look at the knee, right, and try to fix the knee. And really what we've learned in the last about 20, 30 years with a lot more um, information about how the brain functions, we've also learned that because the brain regulates everything, we can impact actually injuries like knee injuries, particularly the ones that the coming and going type of pain, not talking about the, you know, sudden impact of, uh, you know, of an, an actual accident, but, you know, let's say you do have knee pain that comes and goes, but there's nothing really wrong with your knee there's pain and that pain is coming from somewhere else. And we know now when we look actually um, from a brain perspective and approach these type of things from the brain and utilize science, we can actually make changes. And uh, that brings us to new levels because before a lot of, a lot of people thought they have to live with this for the rest of their lives. And they don't because the brain has plasticity. We can change the brain and we can impact it by doing different exercises, different drills that look very, very different than the traditional physical therapy. Not that we're not utilizing strengthening uh, muscles around the knee, but it can be that we do like eye drills or we do other drills that actually have an input to the brain that can change the pain perception. So really the neurosports therapy, as well as uh, being a Z health practitioner, gives me really a different cutting edge knowledge background on how the brain functions and we're approaching not just the therapy component, but also um, physical performance from a brain perspective and can really change. We're really unstoppable, honestly, with that new knowledge. Yeah, well, the, the brain is the most powerful thing that's you know on the planet at the Absolutely. Moment, that we know of, right? I want to go back to what you said. You were saying, talking about changing the brain and how the it's experiencing pain. But my question is, is using the brain and the eye drills and all those things that you were talking about actually healing the knee, or is it just the connection between the, the knee and the brain and the reception of pain? Yeah. So to clarify, obviously, if you had an accident, somebody slides into your knee, let's say in a soccer game, there isn't a rupture of some kind of structure. The pain comes like, you know, the signal to the brain comes really from the knee here, but we also have a lot of other pains and aches and pains, back pains, particularly as well, but also again, knee pains. And what really happens is a, is a quote um, from Carl Levitt, who, who treats the site of pain is lost. Because if you're treating the site of pain, you may never get really to the root problem. And oftentimes, because brain is decided, sorry, pain is decided by the brain. So mm -hmm. it's a threat. It's actually a threat signal. So meaning, if pain shows up, doesn't mean something is wrong with a structure. It, it just means whatever is happening at the moment, the brain feels a threat. 
and the brain will actually figure out how to stop you from doing what you're currently doing and interpret certain things um, as pain to stop you. And there's nothing wrong structurally necessarily. I see. And so. So, so by stimulating actually certain parts of the brain, things that uh, may have been not um, activated well enough, there's not enough data for the brain to deal with certain things. It's, we call it uh, blurry or you know, a, a blurred map that the brain has off that area. We can actually clear that map by doing other approaches on fixing, not fixing, but stimulating the brain in a way that actually helps the perception of brain of pain. So eliminating the perception of pain, basically, yeah, through exercises, brain exercises, not actual knee exercises. Yeah, because at the end of the day, how the brain functions is there's an input, the brain interprets this input and figures out what output to give us. So if you're thinking of it, the, the physical pain is an output, right? My back hurts, my right. knee hurts, that's an output. And we're thinking of, we need to fix the output. But the truth is the input might not be very good that's coming in. And the input comes in through all of our senses, through our eyes, our balance system. So the inner ear through um, movement. And so if we change the input, the brain has completely different data to work with and it can give us a different output. It's kind of like an old computer or a GP, GPS that, you know, you could have even got lost with the GPS in the earlier versions, right? right because it right. didn't have enough data to work with. Nowadays, the GPS is extremely high tech. It has a lot of data coming in because we have amazing satellites that, that supply that data. So now those GPS even tell you immediately if you just passed an intersection that this is wrong and you need to turn around and it's able to actually correct course immediately because there's better data coming in. And so what we're doing really is increasing better data quality and quantity coming into the brain, which will change the output. So it is a concept that lots of people still struggling with because it's hard to tell people, well, an eye exercise can actually help your back pain or your neck pain it's because they're still thinking, but you're not working on my back, but we're thinking of from a science perspective, how we can actually change input. We can also change how the brain interprets things and that will change the output. Awesome. Cause your whole practice is about health and performance. Yes. And so thank you for mentioning that. So oftentimes people think, so sports performance, no, I'm not doing, I yes, I can do sports performance too, because the therapy trans, transitions into performance because most people want to do stuff in their life where they active, right? Right. And so it is, uh, you know, that's that component, but it's also about really uh, performance in life, being able to do just the fun things that you like to do, being able to, you know, work and be successful in your job that you're doing and performing really well and being very productive in your job. And the truth is, if your health isn't up to par, your performance will absolutely lack. So you may have noticed that yourself, if you're in pain, you may not be concentrating as well. You might not be sleeping as well. Next thing you know, the next day you're tired, you're distracted, you're, you're just trying, you can't even sit anymore as long as you would like to. So your performance is suffering. You might be irritated because of your health not being well enough. And you're not being the greatest leader that you could be because of your health having being compromised and not at its optimal and it affects your performance. On the other hand, also, 
we have to be careful not to totally overperform and think just productivity and and uh, crank all deadlines and neglecting the health. So a lot of people out there try to be, and they are super successful in their job, but they neglected their relationships, their health, and they were not paying attention to taking breaks, taking care of and checking in with their own body to see how they're feeling. And it leads to burnout. It leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. And again, these are all outputs, right? Output is that they feel miserable and they're not happy anymore. And at the end of the day, life, I believe, is to be happy and enjoying it. And for that, I truly believe you need to work on your health and you need to work on your performance. Yes. So with that, like you can push your performance and ignore your health for a little bit, right? If I need to work a little harder, I need to, you know, maybe, you know, work late a couple of days or finish that big project, right? But it's the, it's the constant effort of high performance where then things start to suffer. So if you're working, 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 and you're not focusing on your health, then a couple of things happen. Your, your energy goes down, right? So maybe you're not sleeping well, or maybe you are sleeping okay, but your energy is going to go down because you're not taking care of your body. When your energy goes down, your, your focus can then drift. Now you're getting easily distracted. And then you have kind of fuzzy kind of brain. You don't have the clarity that you used to have. And then again, yeah. And then when you're tired and you are fatigued, your courage goes down, your boldness goes down. So now if you continue to go and push yourself and push yourself while neglecting your health, your productivity has got to suffer at some point. The only question is when. Yeah. And, and one key thing that really is important to remember is the brain is absolutely amazing. And that's what I love science and I love learning more and more about it. And there's new things coming out. There's so much we don't know yet, but the, the absolutely amazing thing is that the brain is capable to adapt, which is amazing because we can actually perform to levels, not just in sports, you know, on, on levels like thinking about, you know, gymnasts, for example, in these past Olympics, it's amazing, right? right? Things that we thought are never possible, the same way we can create really high performance and exceed really above, above standard norms, which high performance is all about. But the truth is we have to check in and we have to check in because at some point the brain cannot adapt anymore. It's starting to compensate. So it's very, very important not to continue and neglect that. So it's about finding a balance. Yes, there's going to be you know one day, one or two days where you, yes, emphasize performance more and working harder and, and working on your deadline. Absolutely. But you have to also schedule time again for your health and vice versa. If you just do on vacation, you're never going to get anything done. Right. So right. Uh, you really can't do one extreme because it's really about that dynamic of, you know, the health and the performance needs to all fit in. And you want to really look at it more on, on a weekly schedule as well as, uh, monthly on how how much you put in, but the key is not to have one side overly focused on and neglecting the other parts. The only thing that's non-negotiable is so sleep. You cannot neglect sleep. So I always what? stress that no matter for health and no matter for the performance component, sleep is non-negotiable. We cannot 
make up sleep on the weekend. So you cannot do, oh, I'm sleeping five hours, uh, five, six hours, Monday through Friday, and then I'm just gonna get my 10 hours in on the weekend. That is scientifically proven is not gonna work. It works because the brain adapts, but it does not work for the long-term for your health. If you wanna age and be healthy down the line and have your brain health really up to par, Sleep is non-negotiable. Sleep is non-negotiable. It's, it's non-negotiable. Ah, uh, sleep is non-negotiable. And so uh, you do have to get your seven to eight hours sleep. So you absolutely have to make sure to keep that up. So I was certainly one of those people that thought that sleeping was for the weak. And I'll sleep when I'm dead was the mantra that I had. And I think I regularly slept between five and six hours a night for many years. What I didn't realize is how much my performance was suffering. It's kind of like when you feel like crap, but you don't know how crappy you actually feel because you've never really felt good. And then when you start yeah. feeling better, like, I don't know if you start taking vitamins or you start eating better, you start exercising. It's like, oh my gosh, I look at all this energy that I have. Yeah. One sign of that is when you take actually vacation time and you realize you start to relax, you take a week off and you start to relax on day five. That means you, mm -hmm. you were not paying attention before. If you cannot go on a trip and within 48 hours fully relax, you have been compensating. That's like one, one little sign you know, of an awareness. So I, I always recommend you know, check in because again, the brain is capable to adapt. It will rise to the demand and figure out how to get through, which is amazing. But the problem is, we may not realize it anymore unless we get the opposite to experience, like going on a trip and then not being relaxing. That's your sign. Well, I want to talk about one thing, and that is you said the brain can adapt or the brain can compensate. Now, this whole new field of neuroplasticity is still pretty new, right? We're still at the beginning stages of understanding what the brain can actually do, but I don't really understand the difference between adapting or growing and compensating yeah so adapting is really to a um, a situ situation that comes at us we're able to figure out how to cope with that in the moment and adapt the problem is we to to actually figure out to manage that situation we may neglect other parts. So that means then it turns into a compensation. So meaning uh, if I'm, for example, ha I'm having back issues, let's say it this way. And sure. now I'm, I'm, but I need to sit for my job, right? So I'm sitting and I'm, I'm the demand that I have and I need to adapt to it right here. I'm actually going to sit and going to sit my hours there and I feel like my pain, my pain coming on and I'm getting stiffer. So now without really realizing, I might be shifting, I might be moving my spine in a different way, my pelvis in a way to get rid of the pain in the moment. Because the brain can actually figure out compensation patterns, meaning some other way to deal with the current situation. And so now I'm starting to have a a way I'm sitting that I may not even realize. And it helps me to get through my workday sitting at the computer. But now I'm at, at, at some point, it's coming up in more pain. And oftentimes when I work with clients 
it comes back to figuring out where where did you compensate? Maybe maybe the way your computer was set up and your head position was that's created a certain pattern on how you're sitting. And because of you trying to do that for a prolonged time, you had to figure out some kind of way, your brain had to figure out some kind of way how to sit there and not sitting with the best form, meaning utilizing all the muscles and information, how it really would be optimal. So going back to the knee example, adapting would be, say, let's say you hurt your left knee. Adapting would be strengthening your left knee and doing some exercise to make your left knee better. Compensating would be using your right knee more instead of your left knee. Yes, correct. Okay. You nailed that one. <laughs> Great. So I just, so basically compensating is, you know, doing something at the expense of something else or because something else is compromised. Yes, absolutely. So how do I know if I am balanced, if I am looking at my health and optimizing my performance? Well, one key thing is the awareness. So like I said, being aware of like, I go on a trip and I'm not relaxing or how stressed do I feel? Obviously signs are, and that's the problem. Oftentimes small things show up. Yeah, there's a little ache or I feel a little stiff. And, and most of the time, ah, it's not really bothering me that much. I can still kind of do what I'm doing or I'm, yeah, I can't really run anymore, but that's okay because instead of running, I can do something else. So oftentimes we settle for less right. and that is really a sign something isn't right. And we think we have to live with that because maybe even a, a doctor told them like, yeah, just stop running. You'll, you'll be fine. Just don't do that anymore. But the problem is really, it's a sign that something isn't right. And the truth is, as I mentioned before, the brain can change and can body. And as you just said too, can adapt to what we do and will always, we can always make changes. So therefore the key is really checking in and taking those signs serious. So if there's aches and pains, if you're waking up and you're having a headache, check in, was it maybe, you know, the lack of sleep you had? If you're not focused enough, don't ignore it, but actually check in, why am I not focused enough? Was it my sleep? Was it because I'm, I'm distracted because of pain or what is going on? So really taking small little flags that pop up more seriously. So like my lower back pain. You're saying that could be caused by stress. It might not be anything wrong with my back because I've gone to my chiropractor and he's adjusted me and I'm pretty, pretty good. He's like, actually, you're in pretty good shape, but the lower back pain doesn't go away. Yeah. Particularly when we're talking, um, especially back pain can come from so many different things. It can come from stress. It can come from your eyes not functioning well enough. It can literally have had clients to from the eyes wearing bifocals. Bifocals can be a very big problem and can cause actually back issues. As soon as the client got rid of the bifocals, their back pain went away. Not saying that's for everybody because sure. there, there is no one size fits all. But your back pain can also come from your back. Absolutely. Right? right. And that's when the chiropractor can be a good solution. It can also come from anything going on in your gut. So if you have gut issues, gut dysfunctions, that can cause back pain as well. And you can have actually also some issues going on with, for example, Achilles or lower leg issues that can also refer actually pain to the lower back. So when we're talking lower back pain, there's more options than traditionally thought of the structure of the lower back. Well, that's great. There's hope for me then. 
there is hope. That's the key thing. We call it sometimes also the science of hope because the truth is there are options. It is just, there is no one size fits all. And you have to really check in, evaluate, go to the chiropractor. If the chiropractor helped you, great. If the chiropractor didn't help you as much as you hoped for, that doesn't mean there isn't a solution. You have to try out different things. And there's so many other options. And that's where really the, the Z House practitioner comes in because we have actually a lot more drills that are specifically looking at other options of how to stimulate the brain and where are different connections going on. And we're able to assess that and actually bring that in. So in my practice, I actually combine my background as a neurosports therapist and Z health practitioner and high performance coach, because exactly that, because it can also be coming from stress, right? And anxiety and, or whatever else is going on in your life. And so combining those is really what I believe I can help people most that have particularly things that, you know, they don't know where that pain came from and what else can they do? Well, it's, it's a lot of, lot of different options, right? So if I, if I talk to a chiropractor and I tell him I have lower back pain, he's going to say, okay, well, you just need to crack your back a little bit. And I talk to a, a, uh, orthopedic surgeon, he goes, well, you can probably need surgery, right? But your approach is there's a lot of other options out there. It's not, you know, this is the hammer that I have. And so everything appears like a nail. There's a lot of different ways to approach the same thing. Yeah. And, and um, there's actually more and more and more surgeon, um, particularly when it comes to back surgery that do not recommend surgery right away, luckily, because it used to be like that and people got surgery and they didn't feel better because they didn't feel better because that wasn't the problem. Right. Right. That wasn't really the root problem. Again, who treats the site of pain is lost. You have to look at other things. Not saying for some people, the back surgery can be the key thing to do. Absolutely. But there are so many more doctors now that do not recommend surgery because they know it's not fixing the problem. It's only done if somebody is really, really, really unable to live life because there are other options. It's really more on hard to change people's understanding of this because it's still kind of new, as I said, right? 20, 30 years is not a whole lot in, in changing the way how we look at the body. So. Yeah. Once went to an acupuncturist because I had a knee issue and I'm wondering if, and actually it worked remarkably well. I couldn't really put weight on my knee before I went in and I could after the acupuncture was done. Of course, I didn't believe at all that this was going to work. So it wasn't like a placebo effect either. So I was like, there's no way that this is going to work. You're going to put needles in my knee and it's going to work. But I'm wondering if that has something to do with what you're talking about, about how the brain perceives pain or receives pain. Yeah, what you did is you changed an input. So acupuncture, again, everybody responds different to different treatment forms. So the acupuncture can be for some people tremendous, great impact. So by actually the needles in certain spots gives actually different input to the brain and it can change the output. So you already did something very different by changing the input and that changed an output for you and it worked, but that's why we also have uh, particularly, if you recommend that particular acupuncture to somebody else and they go and they're like, well, it didn't help me at all. Well, that was not the right thing for you. 
Right. Right. Because everybody's different and everybody needs different input. And that's really where, where it comes down to. So you're saying sleep is non-negotiable. You have to get how much sleep do we need? What do the studies well, say? Seven to nine sleep? hours. Currently, the, the research says seven to nine hours. If you sleep consistently six hours. So this is obviously the majority of the population, right? right. There's always exception on both ends, right? Sure. We're leaving those out right now. But seven to nine hours research shows is really the optimal in that range. Six hours, you will have long-term effects on your brain function. So there is signs out for that, backing that up. Well, my wife would say that explains a lot. So, (laughs) but going back to seven, nine hours, what happens to your brain in those seven to nine hours? And why is it so important to get that sleep? Well, the key is uh, sleep is not just to kind of shut down for a minute. It's actually where our brain recovers and restores during the night. Certain phases during the night have different restorative components for the brain and your body. So it's not just relaxing your muscles, but it's really where your brain gets the recovery and restore and also hormone balances and all those things are happening at night. There's a lot going on during the night. And if you're cutting that short, you're neglecting at, at, at whatever part you're not sleeping, because it matters too, if you're not sleeping in the time frame from one to three, or if it's generally short, so it really depends on also the quality and efficiency of sleep. Right. But the key is you're not getting your full recovery. And that particular part is important to understand that Yes, it, you may not feel it at this time. As you said, you were functioning, but you realize kind of later, you weren't really up to your best potential. You are not really optimal in your performance. Right. And, but the key is also research has shown in the long run, it affects our brain if we're not sleeping enough. I wonder if a lot of people during COVID realized how much they weren't sleeping before because they got some extra sleep because they didn't have to commute to the office. So I know some friends of mine who during COVID didn't have to go to the office. And so they saved all that commute time and transformed that commute time into sleep time. And so they got a few more hours of sleep, or at least one more hour of sleep uh, instead of commuting. And I wonder if a lot of other people during COVID had kind of realized that they weren't sleeping as well as they, they should have been. Yeah. It comes back down to awareness. As I mentioned before, you Start checking in with yourself. How do I feel? Am I performing well enough? Do I have any pain? Do I, am I feeling more stressed? Am I more snappy and in conversations with others? How is my behavior? And checking in is crucial. And when you sometimes experience the opposite, the awareness is a little bit easier there to see that, right? So um, I have not seen any data on that, but I can absolutely envision that. You know, you have those people that were able to sleep better because it's it was less stress. You may also have, though, the opposite. A lot of people during the pandemic were more anxious and stressed because of the uncertainties and their sleep may have been affected because right. of that. So you you have both sides, but the key is that, it's, it's recognizing because everybody is different. There is no one size fits all being aware, recognizing, and then making small changes because even a half hour more sleep makes a big difference. I know for me, when I don't get enough sleep, I get more impatient, Uh, mostly with others. It's sometimes even myself, right? I just, you know, like you said, I might snap a little bit easier. 
have a little shorter fuse or get a little bit more impatient or try to rush around to do things that I don't really need to rush around to do. That's probably the first sign of awareness for me. Absolutely. And that's where the high performance coaching comes in, right? Because in the Mm -hmm. high performance coaching sessions, that's what I work with clients on really identifying those behavior, gaining clarity of where they at and what do they need to work on? Because it's not just working on your health. You also, again, have to work on the other side and and the performance and realize and, and make changes there to impact their health, but work on the health to impact the performance and sleep is part of health. Yeah, absolutely. People ask me if I, you know, work out. And of course I, I do work out, but I don't work out to get six pack abs or, you know, giant arms or anything like that. I'm a little bit older beyond that stage for me, but I do work out because it makes my brain function better. I function better at during the day when I am active and I, I regularly work out when I skip my workouts. It doesn't take too many workouts to skip where I realize that things aren't going as well as they they could be. I'm not, I'm not operating at an optimal level. Well, it's interesting you say that because actually there are, there is science out there. For example, they've done on school children, if they work out before school, how their academic levels went up. And here's what happens from a, from a brain perspective, the brain gets all the input coming in from the bottom up. So from the back here up, and then from the back to the front. And the front is our thinking, right? That's our decision-making, the thinking in the, in the frontal cortex. Right. Now, when you move, when you exercise, when you move your body, when you move your joints, you're actually stimulating the back of your brain and you're giving better data to the back of your brain. That back, the better information coming in here, again, coming back to you know the GPS, the better information coming in, the better other things function, right? So the better the information come into the bottom of your brain here, because you're moving, because that's where it goes to your cerebellum, it will actually impact your decision-making. It will impact how you think. It will impact memory. It impacts all kinds of different things. Again, research has shown students that work out before school have higher academic levels. So here's another example, right? Mm -hmm. When you work on your health, your performance can increase. Because you are now thinking better, right? You're making and not better. Just ac- not just athletic performance, right? You're talking yeah, about like performance exactly. in the office. Your p- performance in your job, in your, your executive you- function. Yes, exactly. So there is, again, that tight connection about taking care of your health, your body, your brain, and how you function and perform in your job. Awesome. So what would you like our people to know? Well, number one thing, there is nobody like you. <laughs> So find your solution. And yes, it's hard. And and we have to really come away from the mindset. I'm going to the doctor. They're going to give me a diagnosis and that's it. We have to have the mindset. We're all different and we all have a path. It's there. It might not be sometime as clear when it comes to the health component. And I really understanding health is your foundation. If your health isn't there, you can't perform. And you will also not live as long and you won't be as happy. So health is a foundation that you have to take care of. And there's, again, sleep is non-negotiable. So (laughs) that is absolutely a must. And then really understanding there is no one size fits all. It's individual. That There is not one program that is good for everybody else. So you really have to hone it in for you 
That's why coaching is so powerful because it gives the opportunity to really help specifically a person and customize what they need for their health and their performance in life. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show, Heike. And we really appreciate uh, what you shared with us and I hope it helps uh, serve our audience. Well, thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Well, that is another episode of Conversations with Coaches with Heike Fallon, and we'll see you next time.